Hello, my dear amazing audience. Thank you for joining in for this one episode podcast on busting the five big myths about the COVID-19 vaccine. So I'm your host. I'm Shivani. I'm pursuing my doctorate in bioinformatics and biochemistry, and I have been involved in trying to solve biology-related problems for a long time. So I thought I'll come up with the five most common myths and try to answer why they are not true. Okay, so without further ado, let's get into it. The first most common myth about the COVID-19 vaccine is that the vaccine can give you COVID-19, which is the disease itself. To talk about that, let's take a step back and try to understand what can give you the disease versus what cannot. So how are vaccines developed? I think that's the first question we should be able to answer to understand if the vaccine can give you the disease itself. So vaccine contains something called an inactivated virus. That's one of the ways that the vaccines can be developed. And what an inactivated virus is, basically taking the organism that causes the disease. So in COVID-19, it's the COVID virus. They take the virus, they take out the property from the virus that makes it virulent. So that makes it make more copies of itself. If you take that out from the virus, you should have something left that cannot multiply at all. So if you were to use that for a vaccine, so it's just enough for the body to understand that, hey, this is a foreign pathogen and we need to make immunity against that. If you administer that into the body, your body will have an immunity because it will recognize that it's foreign and it should not be in the body. But since the virus cannot multiply, it won't cause you any harm. Yes, it will not give you the disease. So that's one way to make the vaccine. But the versions that we have here in North America are three major vaccines. So as we know, we have Pfizer and Moderna, which are something called mRNA-based vaccine. So mRNA, if some of you might be aware that the central dogma in biology is DNA, which is the genetic material, goes to make RNA and then RNA goes to make proteins. So mRNA vaccine is basically not using any kind of virus at all, but what it's using is it's using the genetic material of the virus and the genetic material that will make the spike protein of the virus. So we don't need to complicate this, but the spike protein is the protein that actually makes the virus enter your cells. So if the virus is not able to enter your cell, it cannot do anything to you. So the mRNA vaccine is actually administering the genetic material of the virus into your body. So no virus involved. It's the genetic material of the virus, not the actual virus. 
once you have this mRNA floating in your blood, it's going to make protein because like I said, the central dogma of biology is DNA goes to RNA, RNA goes to protein. So if this mRNA is in your body, your cells will start to make protein. And the protein that they are making is not of its own. And your body is smart enough to recognize that. And it's going to make, again, it's going to make immunity against that protein and also get rid of that protein. So that's something good, right? Because you don't want any foreign protein just floating around in your body. And your body is able to handle that. And that's how it gets immunity. So that is the mRNA-based vaccine, which is the Pfizer and Moderna. Now moving on to the J&J vaccine, which was the Janssen vaccine. Now the Janssen vaccine is a different technology because they are not using the mRNA. Instead, what they are using is something called an adenovirus. Now, an adenovirus is a common cold virus, but the process that they use is something similar to if you take a box that has toys inside it, you take all the toys out, and then you put something else in the box now you have the box that belonged to the toys but now it has something else so it's something similar in that they take this common cold virus called adenovirus but it take its genetic material out so when this virus is put in your body it does not give you common cold because it was emptied before instead what it contains within is the genetic material to code for the S protein, which I again have mentioned before, the spike protein of the virus. So again, when this adenovirus containing the spike protein of COVID-19 is put in your body, you make you your cells recognize this as protein and they know that this is a foreign protein so again what they're gonna do is the immunity is going to be activated and you're gonna make immune cells or you're gonna make uh, antibodies against the virus and that's how you get the immunity now all this process in uh comparison to you being actually in contact with someone who has COVID-19 is a very different situation because when you are in vicinity to someone who has the COVID-19 virus, what's going to happen is whenever they sneeze or if you come in contact with those aerosolic droplets that contain the virus and when it enters your body through your nose or through your mouth, What's going to happen is since now you have an active, a living virus, which can replicate and cause the disease, that's how you get the virus. So in short, the vaccines cannot, cannot 
give you the disease itself because they either do not contain the virus whatsoever or even if they do with some versions of vaccine outside north america do they contain the inactivated virus that virus is still unable to multiply which means it cannot give you the disease so hence the vaccine cannot give you the disease itself okay moving on to the second uh myth that has been floating around is the vaccine can cause miscarriage or infertility so this is a very common rumor that comes up related to any kind of vaccine or any drug that comes out in the market and so it did again with the covid-19 vaccine so to be able to understand how the vaccine has nothing to do with your reproductive system i think it's useful to go into the details of each and every ingredient that's used in the vaccine i am going to talk about all the ingredients in the j&j vaccine the jensen vaccine but you can always go ahead and google the ingredients in the moderna and the pfizer vaccine which are by the way very similar to the ingredients in the jensen vaccine or they are alternates for some of the ingredients that have been used in the jensen vaccine so the starting with the first ingredient in the jensen vaccine is ethanol now as you might have heard ethanol is an alcohol and it the jensen vaccine has 2.04 milligrams of ethanol by the way our body produces 3 grams of ethanol per day and this is coming from all that fermentation that's going on inside our body even when you are working out the bacteria in your body is breaking down the food and there's fermentation going on so that's giving out the alcohol so your body actually has more much more actually alcohol or ethanol originally then compared to what the vaccine contains so needless to say that's completely safe does nothing with your reproductive system your body is already making it so no biggie there the next component is sodium chloride or nacl now again as you know we consume a lot of nacl on a daily basis plus our body naturally contains this electrolyte in large concentrations and why it contains nacl is cuz nacl is what helps your body maintain the level of those two different ions so sodium and chloride are one of the are two of the most important ions in the human body cuz that's what does a lot of things in your body that you might take for granted for example your neurons firing is also a result of the change in potential which is caused by the movement of the sodium and chloride ions also if you by chance know someone or yourself work in a lab 
in a biology lab or in a chemistry lab, you might be aware that sodium chloride and potassium chloride are the two most common buffers used for any kind of experiment. And why is that? Because those are the two buffers that most closely resemble the conditions of human body. So again, uh, not much brain to use here. Sodium chloride can do nothing bad to your body, at least in the concentrations that it's present in the vaccine, which is 2.19 milligrams, pretty small. Okay, moving on to the next ingredient is citric acid monohydrate. Now, citric acid monohydrate is one of those chemicals that you probably haven't really heard about. But again, uh, this is another chemical that our body is constantly making. And it's coming as a result of our metabolism. So the vaccine contains 0.14 milligrams of citric acid monohydrate. And our body produces actually one milligrams of this chemical per kilogram of our body weight. So that again suggests that our body is already metabolizing and making a lot of citric acid. So an administration of this chemical in the vaccine is again doing nothing to your fertility. The next chemical is trisodium citrate dihydrate. Again, this is another chemical that you might not have heard about, but uh, let's put it out there. It's a very common anticoagulant that's used when blood is preserved, for example, in blood banks. And also, it's actually used as a food preservative. So yeah, right there. It's one of the most commonly used chemicals in the food that we are eating on a daily basis. So again, needless to say, does nothing bad to your body. The next chemical is polysorbate 80. Now polysorbate 80 and also an alternate for this is PEG, something called polyethylene glycol. Now these two chemicals are used for very similar reasons in a lot of industries. One of the biggest one being the cosmetic industry and very well if you were to pick up that lotion uh, sitting right next to your bed right now you will 99.9% find either polysorbate 80 or PEG in that lotion or your lipstick or literally anything cosmetic. So yeah, and also to add to that, it has a vegetable source. So yes, again, it's doing nothing bad to you. The last chemical that I want to talk about is 2-hydroxypropyl cyclodextrin now this is a chemical again that you might not have heard about before but it's a very common chemical that's used in vaccines as well as a lot of other um, chemical products and it's actually used uh, to prevent against something called uh, lyoprotection which is basically 
if you were to freeze thaw a protein or freeze thaw any kind of formulation so you just want to prevent degradation or breaking down of whatever you were trying to preserve so yeah as simple as that it works as a lyoprotectin so that's what's going to keep your vaccine from actually degrading or breaking up so those are all the chemicals present in the Janssen vaccine if you were to look at the composition of the other two vaccines you'll end up finding a very similar slash alternate salts or polyethylene glycol like i talked about before so yes and none of these chemicals have been known at least in the concentrations that they are used to cause infertility or miscarriage in fact covid-19 vaccine is highly recommended for women who are trying to get pregnant or who are pregnant so yes it will not do anything to your pregnancy or to your fertility so do not let that bother you do not let that stop you from getting the shot okay moving on to the third myth which is you can get covid after vaccination now this is a very interesting question because again this brings us to the same point how can you get covid now you can definitely get covid uh by being near someone who has covid or they are asymptomatic so yeah that's how you get covid but let's say you took your shot today and then a week after today you find out you contracted covid now are you going to blame your vaccine for that uh i hope not because what happens is that once you are administered the vaccine your body takes some time to make what's called antibodies and these antibodies is what makes you immune to covid-19 what that means is that depending on a lot of things including your age your gender your genetics the vaccine type that you took your health conditions so if you have any pre-existing conditions any comorbidities plus if you are immunocompromised or taking drugs that are suppressing your immune system that's a variety of factors that can actually decide on how and when your body will start producing antibodies against the vaccine that you were administered so let's try to break break it apart um into how our immunity works so immunity can be very broadly divided into two classes the first one is natural immunity and the other one is vaccine induced immunity So natural immunity as you can probably tell is the immunity that you get 
that you build up when you are naturally introduced to a pathogen. So let's say you were playing out in the field and you got a cut on your head and that was from bumping into something metallic and that metallic something happened to have some tetanus on it. So what's going to happen is that once that comes in contact with your blood, you can have tetanus, which is actually a very serious condition. But if you were if you recover this first time, if you were to come into contact with te- tetanus again, moving forward, what will happen is your body already had antibodies against tetanus. So the second time, the chances of you getting a severe infection is greatly reduced. So that's a natural induced immunity. What's vaccine induced immunity, as you can again tell, is that once you're vaccinated, your body produces antibodies against the vaccine and not the pathogen. But what it's going to do with these antibodies is use them against the actual virus when you are exposed to the real virus. So with vaccine-induced immunity, uh, let's talk about the Pfizer and Moderna, as well as Johnson & Johnson. So Pfizer, as we know, it's a two-shot vaccine, shot one. It's the research says that after 12 days, you have partial immunity. So it's almost about 52% effective. The vaccine is about 52% effective against you contracting the virus. Once you have the shot two, which is, by the way, about three weeks after shot one, after seven days of being administered the shot two, you should have full immunity and then it's 95% effective against the virus. Talking about Moderna, again, it's two shot. After the first shot, it's not until after 14 days is when you get partial immunity and the vaccine is about 51% effective, so pretty close to Pfizer. Now, for Moderna, you get the second shot after a month. So once you have your second shot, it's again not until after 14 days that you are fully immunized. And now the vaccine is 94% effective. So yeah, pretty effective. Talking about Johnson & Johnson, so this is a different vaccine because it's only a single-shot vaccine, so it's different from the other two vaccines in that regard. But once you have the Janssen vaccine, the partial immunity starts to develop after 12 days of administration, and the full immunity does not develop until after 28 days of the shot. But again... All these numbers that I'm talking about is an average of when people in the clinical trials develop the antibodies and develop the immunity. These numbers are not set in stone for all people. All people are very different biologically. So in biology, in general, we can never generalize things to everyone. It's always going to be an average. So what 
all this tells us that it takes a little while for your body to react to the vaccine and be able to produce antibodies that can prevent you from the infection. And as I was saying before, this depends on a variety of different factors, including age. Because as we know, for really young people and really old people, the immune system does not work as expected. And it's the true for people who have diseases like diabetes, because that's also something that suppresses your immune system. So for people with these kind of conditions or in that age group, it will take a little longer than a healthy adult to be able to produce these antibodies. So if you took the vaccine shot today, again, I'll use the same example. If you took the vaccine shot today, but you were exposed to yesterday, or let's say even a week from today, so a week after you received the vaccine, chances are you'll still catch the disease. And that's not because you, that was not because the vaccine is not effective. That happens because your body had not successfully made antibodies to the vaccine that was administered. So, the conclusion being, taking a vaccine means that you will develop antibodies against the vaccine, which will prevent you from infections in the future. But it does not mean that if you were exposed to the pathogen before your body developed the antibodies, the vaccine cannot protect you then because you were already exposed to the virus or the pathogen before your body could even react to the vaccine. Okay, moving on to the fourth one. So the fourth one is that COVID-19 vaccine alters the DNA. Now, um, this is a very... To a biologist, it would sound like a very ridiculous claim, but um, to a layman or someone coming from the non-scientific community, uh, it's completely understandable how it might seem that if you're putting this genetic material of the virus into your own body, like how is it affecting my body? Like, is it changing my, my genetic material? Is it doing something to my DNA? The answer is a big, fat, resounding no. And that's because the vaccine never really enters your nucleus. So let's talk about the nucleus. Our body has multiple cells. Our body has billions of cells. Each cell has its own brain that houses the genetic material. This brain of a cell is called nucleus. So until you were to put something inside the nucleus, you cannot really alter your genetic material. And the vaccine never enters your nucleus. So mRNA in general, this molecule never sees the nucleus. It's present in the cytoplasm, which is the exterior of the cell. It's not inside the cell. And that's where it stays. So, no. COVID-19 vaccine cannot 
can not alter your DNA in any way. Okay, so the last myth is the severe side effects of the vaccines or it can even kill you. So that question might have, not that question, but this myth might have gained more popularity um, in the recent news of the fact that some women developed um, some severe conditions when they were administered the J&J or Johnson & Johnson uh, Janssen vaccine. So statistically, it was uh, six cases of women under the age of 60 in 8 million people who developed this condition called CVST. Now, what is CVST? CVST stands for cerebral venous sinus thrombosis. Now, if we were to break this down, let's try to simplify it. Now, cerebral in medicine refers to anything related to your brain. Venous refers to anything that's related to your blood. Sinus is a small cavity or a cleft. And thrombosis is the medical term for blood clot. So what happened in these women is they developed this blood clot in their brain along with something called thrombocytopenia. Now thrombocytopenia is another condition where the count of your platelets goes down unusually. Now platelets are the cells that help your blood to clot. So you might be thinking if the level of platelet went down in these women, their blood, if anything, should not be able to clot. How did they develop this condition where their brain had a blood clot? It's very counterintuitive. So that's the interesting point. Why were these women developing a clot when their platelet level was so severely diminished? And that's something called TTP, also called thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome. So again, that's six cases in 8 million people. So I'll leave it to you to do the math. Also, just to um, give you some numbers, there are multiple other things that we do not realize can make us susceptible to blood clotting, including our very own birth control pill, as well as oral contraceptives. And why is that? Because a blood clotting is a very complex mechanism that we probably have only been able to scratch the surface of. Now, blood clotting can be due to a variety of reasons, one of which is the amount of hormones circulating in your body. Especially for women, the amount of estrogen to progesterone can very strongly correlate with the chances of you developing a clotting disorder. And as you might know, 
as you have heard, as you might have read on the back of these oral contraceptive or birth control pills, that what they do is they adjust the levels of these two hormones in our body and that's how they are bringing about preventing pregnancy. So what they can also do is cause blood clots. So I just want to put it out there because if people think that vaccines can cause blood clots, there's multiple other things they should also be doing research into to find out for themselves of the chances of them developing a blood clot. So, yep, that's out there. And also Pfizer and Moderna, there were some very rare cases related to myocarditis and pericarditis. Now, myocarditis is the inflammation of the heart cells and pericarditis is the inflammation of the area around the heart. And again, these conditions are very, very extremely rare. So, and there's no evidence, at least no scientific evidence so far that these vaccines directly cause these conditions. There are multiple other conditions or multiple other factors that could be causing these things, not the vaccine. So we cannot blame it on the vaccine. Uh, A lot of people uh, might think that what causes the death of someone, if someone was to die after a vaccine shot, is the vaccine itself. But it's actually not the vaccine, but it's a host of other factors one of which is also something called an anaphylaxis shock. And this is basically your body overreacting to something that is in the vaccine that you might be allergic to. But if you were, let's say, allergic to polysorbate 80 or PEG, polyethylene glycol, you would also be allergic to the body lotions that you are applying on yourself. So that's also another thing to keep in mind. If you know you are allergic to any of the components, it's in your hands to um, check with your physician, make sure that the vaccine does not contain any of those components. But this is not to say that the vaccine contains something that can kill you. It's not the vaccine, but your body is very complex and pinning it down to the vaccine is just um, unscientific. So I would strongly suggest for people to Google, research all the information that I talked about today and uh, hopefully make a decision, use your common sense, use your best judgment when going out uh, to get the vaccine. Uh, And yeah, take care. See you soon. Bye-bye.